0: Monday, August 31st, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. It's the trade deadline edition here. Joe Noga with Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Uh, Hoynesy, the Indians have pulled the trigger. They, they made the move. Everybody was anticipating them to make over the weekend. It's uh, Mike Clevenger. He heads to San Diego in part of a, uh, I guess it was a nine-player deal. Uh, the Indians trade Clevenger, Greg Allen, and a player to be named for a, a pretty big uh, hall of prospects mostly prospects, uh, Josh Naylor, Austin Hedges included. Those are guys with major league experience coming to Cleveland from San Diego. Uh, just your, your first impressions quickly of uh, the deal that sends Clevenger to the uh, Padres.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of overwhelmed by the six guys. they get six guys for in one trade for, uh, you know, it's a nine-player deal. You know, the last time I felt like this, Joe, was uh, when uh, the Indians traded Cologne to Montreal. And they got Sizemore, uh, Cliff Lee, and uh, Brandon Phillips. And we didn't know – I didn't know who those guys were. So <laughs> I, feel, I feel a lot uh, – you know, I feel it's a very similar deal. But, you know, you're getting twice as many players back.
0: Right. This is what the, uh, the experts and the analysts call a volume deal. Uh, you got three of the Padres' top 11 prospects in what's regarded as probably the top farm system in all of baseball – uh, General Manager A.J. Preller and the Padres have been stockpiling talent over the last few years, uh, really sort of, you know, in, in trades that they they dealt away guys like uh, like Craig Kimbrell and uh, even uh, the, the three deadline deals now that they've done with the Indians, they've just been stockpiling and stockpiling all that talent. Uh, interesting to me that the, the Indians add uh, sort of the centerpiece of the deal, this uh, Gabriel Arias, a shortstop. And uh, Owen Miller, uh, a middle infielder, either shortstop or a second baseman, probably projects at second base. But you're talking about an Indians farm system that's already stacked with uh, multiple shortstops. Uh, you know, guys who are good with the glove, good with the bat. Uh, you know, this is areas where does he fit in with that group of uh, of young middle infielders?
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Joe. I, you know, I was told that this puts him at the top of the class. Of the Indians' uh, young uh, middle infielders, uh, they—he's twenty. He's got power. He hit seventeen home runs with seventy-five RBIs last year at at High A in the California in the Class A California League. Um, they think he can stay at shortstop. He's he's six foot, two hundred pounds, uh, kid from Venezuela, right-handed hitter. So. Well, you know, we'll see. But, I mean, how many shortstops do you have in the system? I mean, they've got, it, them, they've got them lined up from here to uh, Timbuktu. Well, and uh, one of these guys is going to replace uh, Lindor, I guess. So this is the uh, search for uh, Francisco Lindor's replacement.
0: That's exactly it. Uh, we have a question that we got from our subtexters. Uh, immediately responding to one of our, our posts about the trade, uh, asking, do either of us believe that this trade would have even happened if Clevenger and Zach Plesak hadn't gotten caught, caught up in that uh, protocol, uh, breaking protocol scandal in Chicago, uh, been demoted? If, if that hadn't happened, would we even be talking about Clevenger being traded at this point?
1: Well, I think, Joe, you know, we've talked about this a lot. If we weren't talking about it today at the deadline, we would have been talking about it after the season, in the offseason. I think money played a big part in this deal, uh, you know, every team has taken a huge hit, uh, financial hit, because of the pandemic. No, no fans in the stands. A short season. Uh, you know, Chris Antonetti has told us that uh, Chris Antonetti, the uh, you know director of baseball operations for the Indians, has told us that you know they've taken staggering losses this year, and I think that's why you know they couldn't br- they couldn't bring back a lot of salary. So that's why you see almost six prospects coming back here that aren't making a lot of money. And even though, you know, uh, Clevenger was only making on a prorated basis about one point five million this year, you know, he he had signed a one-year deal for four million, and he was going to be eligible for arbitration next year and the year after that, and that would have jacked it up to you know maybe who knows fifteen million at the end of the next two years. And that's just something they couldn't afford in the wake of this pandemic. And I think that played a part in this deal. So, you know, one way or the other, I think he was getting traded.
0: Right. Uh, the bottom line is it's addition by subtraction. You, you remove a distraction that, that had been created in the clubhouse. Uh, you, you get a boatload of prospects for it. Uh, but you're also – this is a, a, an organization now that in the last two seasons – has traded all three of its top three starters from, uh, you know, two years ago in Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, and Mike Clevenger. It completely turned over the top of that rotation. And the rotation is still uh, statistically the best in baseball right now. Uh, it's it's a, a real testament to the young talent that the Indians had and were able to develop uh, through their player development system. Uh, it, it, it really is sort of a, a place where young pitchers go to, to sort of get fast track to the, to the big leagues, if they fit the system and uh, you know, Shane Bieber, uh, Aaron Savali and uh, Tristan McKenzie now uh, sort of represent that at the big league level. Uh, what's next for that rotation? Now that Clevenger, you're talking about a guy who over the last three years has a, a 152 ERA plus. I mean, that means he's, you know, 52 points higher than the the average. He's he is a frontline starter, uh, a number one, an ace to any team you trade him to. Uh, what does it say about the Indians' rotation moving forward now and, and who plugs in to the open spots?
1: Yeah, just uh, one, one more thing about Clevenger, Joe. They had, they had him for two more years of control. He's 42 and 22 as an Indian. I mean, that's tough to trade a guy like that, yeah, but he's gone, so that's you know the, the, you can't you can't reverse things. So I would think uh you know right now they've got a four-man rotation. Clevenger was scheduled to pitch Tuesday against Kansas City. I would think police uh, police hack' schedule was scheduled to start today in Lake County at at, at Classic Park. So I would think uh, you know if police hack isn't already in Kansas City, he's on his way. And I think he would make that start uh, Tuesday against the Royals.
0: All right. Well, uh, let's go piece by piece and individually uh, just through who the Indians acquired in this deal uh, for Mike Clevenger. Uh, also, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, the Indians also sending a player to be named later, which, you know, in this odd season with the the weird trading deadline and and everything, uh Players that aren't on the 60-man roster or 60-man player pool uh, can't be traded. So this is sort of a way around trading a, a minor leaguer who isn't on that 60-man uh, that roster. So we could see somebody, you know, still among the Indians' top 30 prospects uh, be moving to San Diego when that, uh, you know, either in the postseason. I don't know exactly when the deadline would be for those players to be named later, but eventually we will see another player going another prospect presumably from uh, the Indians to San Diego. And also Greg Allen, a guy who, uh, you know, we loved as, uh, as reporters covering the team. Greg Allen always had a smile on his face and, and always gave such great answers to our questions. Uh, but, you know, personality doesn't get you uh, very far on the field uh, most of the time. Uh, Greg Allen uh, wasn't necessarily – you know the the bat that they sort of needed in the outfield at this point, and so they moved him. and, and Greg Allen's heading home. Uh, he's he's going back to San Diego, where uh, where he's he's actually from.
1: Yeah, hope hopefully Greg gets a shot, a better shot than he got here, and uh, hopefully he learns how to bunt because he better <laughs> bunt. He better learn how to bunt if he's gonna if he's gonna stay in the big leagues. But you're right, Joe. Just a good dude and uh, always open, always friendly, and uh, switch hitter. And if he gets on base, he, he can be a weapon, man.
0: Okay. Let's, uh, let's start at the top of this six-player uh, deal uh, that brings uh, a hall of prospects, three of them from the, the Padres' uh, top 11 prospects. Uh, Gabriel Arias, age 20. Uh, he's a shortstop. And last year was really sort of his, his big breakout year. The, the Padres, uh, they signed him in the, uh, the, the 2017 international class, he, uh, he, he went to work. He's at, he was at uh, high A ball last year and, and really sort of uh, took the California league by storm. Uh, hit, you know batted 302, uh, was third in the league in RBI and, and total bases, uh, fourth in batting average and sixth in slugging percentage. Uh, he was a, a midseason all-star there. So uh, this is a, a young kid. Uh, from what the scouts are saying, his his bat still needs a, a little time to develop, but defensively, he's he's got all the tools to be a, a major league shortstop.
1: Yeah, definitely, Joe. I think uh, if you had to hang your hat on on one guy in this trade, maybe it's Arias. You know, um, he doesn't help you right now, but down the road, um, it sounds like uh, you know he's got some talent. The, the Indians think he can stay at shortstop. Um, and he's got some power. And uh, if you're going to replace Francisco Lindor, you better have some power. You better be able to swing the bat. Right.
0: Uh, another uh, sort of coveted piece in this trade, uh, Joey Cantillo, uh, age 20. He's a a lefty, uh, the ninth best prospect in the uh, San Diego system. And he really um, sort of came on last year, 100, uh, 111 innings pitched. 144 strikeouts, holding opponents to a 179 batting average, the only 34 walks, uh, and that was Class A Fort Wayne. And uh, he moved on to High High A uh, Lake Elsinore. Uh, led the Padres organization with those 144 strikeouts last year, uh, and so really, uh, his kid kid's from Hawaii. So uh, there you go, we got a got a Hawaiian on the uh, in in the organization now. Uh, Three-year professional ERA of 2.51. So, so really, he was a a young kid when they drafted him, and uh, out of high school, and he's he's developed. I guess he's got you know three plus pitches, including a big breaking ball. Uh, he really, t- to me, seems like the candidate for you know stick him in the Indians' player development system, and hopefully, they churn out another frontline uh, starter. Who can who can make an impact in a year or two, uh, off of uh, you know, in, in much the same way Shane Bieber, uh, Aaron Savali, Tristan McKenzie, Zach Cleese, I been able to do.
1: Yeah, definitely, Joe. I mean, and it's another lefty, another lefty from uh, the Padres. They've got Logan Allen. Now, yeah, you, you know, Candolino, You add that to the mix. Logan Allen, obviously, is a little more advanced. He's right, you know, on the on the uh, brink of you know becoming a regular in the rotation and you got Scott Moss down there. So hopefully, uh, you know, these are kind of three lefties that are percolating in the development system. And uh, because right now they've got, you know, for the last couple of years, last two, three, four years, they've had all right-handed rotation.
0: All right, moving on. Yes. uh, You know, next on the list is uh, Owen Miller, uh, another middle infielder, as as we spoke of before Uh, he's 23 years old. A third-round pick in 2018 out of Illinois State for the uh, the Padres, and this kid looks like he's he's got a little bit of pop in his bat. Uh, hit 307 with uh, 47 doubles and 17 home runs, 101 RBI in uh, in 205 games over the last two seasons. Uh, so it looks like uh, you know he was up as as high as AA last year. He looks like he's he's a a bat that could could develop into you know something maybe at, at, at second base uh, perhaps the Indians uh, are looking there to the future as well
1: yeah and he's a college kid is a little more advanced than a guy like Arias a little stronger and you can see that in his numbers joe so uh yeah that he should be exciting to watch and uh, yet yeah, because uh you know uh, Cesar Hernandez Caesar Hernandez is only signed for one year so you know they've got to have some somebody you know kind of stockpiled behind behind him at second base.
0: Right. And you don't know exactly what the plan is with, uh, with Nolan Jones. uh, If if the Indians want to give him third base next year and and move Jose Ramirez again. Yeah. So, so who knows uh, they might be sort of hedging their bets against uh, a couple of years down the line, uh, uh, having a need at second base as well. Uh, So that leaves us with three guys who, who sort of have major league experience in, uh, Austin Hedges, Cal Quantrill, and Josh Naylor. Uh, we can quickly go through each one of those guys. Uh, Hedges is actually a, a guy who's been with the Padres since 2017, and he was a, a Gold Glove finalist in, in 2017. Last year, uh, second in the majors uh, behind Roberto Perez uh, for uh, defensive runs saved, according to fan graphs. Uh, he had 21 defensive run saves. Uh, Perez led the, the majors with uh, 30. So, you know, he's a, he's a defensive catcher, uh, you know, good with the glove. His, you know, bat's always secondary. But really, uh, what do we think of this acquisition and, and what the, the potential is with, with Hedges? As we record this uh, podcast at about one thirty, there's still about, uh, you know, two and a half hours of, uh, of time before uh, deals can be made. Is it possible that the Indians turn him around and, and send him to another organization?
1: Yeah, I would not be surprised if they did that, Joe. I mean, it all depends. You know, do they like see Does this? Do they like hedges better than uh, Sandy Leone uh, and his hedges? Is he going to be happy uh, sitting on the bench behind Roberto Perez? I mean, he's been a regular, so it's going to be interesting. But I would, you know, I would think there's a demand for catches out there. I would think uh, they would be able to to move him, Austin, in in before the deadline, if not before. You know, I would think they'd, they'd be able to move hedges before the deadline.
0: Right. And, you know, if they do decide to hold on to him, it, it could be to, to hedge against the idea that, you know, uh, Roberto Perez, it's tough to keep a catcher healthy. Roberto Perez has, has missed games in the last couple of seasons, uh, you know, with injuries. So, you know, never a bad idea to have a, a quality backup catcher. But isn't that what they got Sandy Leone for? I, I don't know. They yeah, actually I mean, traded for we, Sandy Leone. So.
1: Yeah, so, I, you know, we've seen Sandy Leone. And we know he can catch and throw. We know he can't hit. And, and the hedges <laughs> seems to be the same kind of guy. I mean, I'm not,
0: you know. Right, not, but whatever you get, get out right of that.
1: But just, you know, looking at his stats. He's got some power, though. He does have some power. So that's right.
0: Cool. We, we would call him a glove first guy. There, there yeah. you go. Uh, as far as Quantro goes, 25 years old. Uh, the the eighth overall selection in the uh, 2016 draft out of Stanford. Uh, this is a guy who has a, a quite a bit of a starting experience, and he's come out of the pen uh, over the last two seasons. 14 relief outings, um, you know, eight and eight record, and uh, 4.79 ERA in the National League. Uh, you know, isn't necessarily glowing. He's the uh, the son of a 14-year Major League veteran in Paul Quantrill. So, uh, you know, there, there's something there. He's probably got a pretty high baseball IQ. Um, participated in the 2017 uh, Futures game. But, you know, other than that, he doesn't really necessarily jump off the page at you as as somebody. He, he might be something along the lines of that uh, that Adam Plutko sort of mold. Uh, can start, can relieve, and, you know, he might be a, a quality guy in the clubhouse, but, but who knows what he's, he's going to be able to give you.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that's a good point, Joe. That's uh, um, he, uh, you know, he, you know, he, he, obviously he can, he, he can start, but I, is he going to break into this rotation? You know, I, I don't, I don't think so. So he's probably going to be kind of like you just, you hit it right on the head an, an Adam Plutko uh, kind of clone right there. Uh, a long guy or a guy that can make an emergency start or two,
0: right? Uh, that leaves us with Josh Naylor, the uh, the brother of Bo Naylor, who was the Indians' number one draft pick in 2018. A catcher who's actually out at the uh, the Lake County site, so a little bit of a family reunion. These are uh, we're getting the uh, the Canadians all on board. You you yeah. picked up Quantrill, you got uh, uh, Naylor, who's a Canadian. Uh, I, I believe Massaga High School is the uh,
1: Right.
0: the uh, the school it's uh, I'm, the name sounds familiar. I wonder if it's if if that's where Tristan Thompson went as well. I can't remember the uh, the Cavaliers uh, power forward.
1: Yeah, but, right outside of Toronto. I know. That. Yes.
0: Yeah, very close. So uh, Naylor. Here's my question: Is he the bat that the Indians needed to add at this point to to sort of inject some life into that offense? Do do we really see him as that guy? Or is this just another addition that, you know, you've already got a left-handed outfielder in Jake Bowers who's, uh, who's sitting down at, at Lake County in the alternate site. Uh, is this just another guy who, who projects the same as, as Bowers?
1: Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think that's a great point. I think salary comes into this, you know, this is a, um, he's not making a lot of money. And I think that's the kind of guy they were looking for. <clears throat> and when would they have not they since uh, since uh, Michael Brantley uh, have they when was the last outfielder they paid a lot? You know they haven't really. Had
0: I, no, I, well I mean Domingo Santana they gave a, a major league contract to, but it's not.
1: Yeah, one point five.
0: Yeah, one point five million. That's nothing. Everybody else has been homegrown or, or major league minimum uh, pretty right. much down the line. So, so yeah, I think it,
1: that played into it, Joe. But I, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe you know. You've seen the reports that he's gonna, you know, gonna be run out there every day in left field, and uh, let's see what he can do. Maybe if he gets regular at bats, he can uh, kind of unlock that power. And uh, he's a former number one pick too, right? From, right, uh, right.
0: First round pick, uh, from Miami, by San Diego, uh, Miami, and he was traded to to San Diego yeah. in, in 2016. So yeah, I here's the thing: if you're gonna give Tyler Naquin, who's right now your most consistent hitter in the lineup. Uh, if you're going to give Tyler Naquin right field and let him play every day, if you're going to put Josh Naylor in left field and let him play every day, uh, you know, and, and, you know, make, make moves in center with, maybe bring Mercado back who, who knows what you do to, to get a right-handed bat in there with, with the shields. But, you know, Domingo Santana is, isn't going to get regular at bats. You know, what are you going to do with him? The outfield is, it's still, you've solved nothing in the outfield, I, I don't think, by, by yeah. putting a guy who's not proven out there in left field. I don't, I don't really think you've solved any of your problems.
1: No, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, this has, been, this has been the story since, what, 2016? Well, outside of, uh, uh, you know. Brantley. <laughs> outside of Brantley, this has been the story. I mean, they, you know, even in 2016, Brantley didn't play, you know, and they, they were platooning all three positions in the outfield. And I think that's a cost-saving measure. That, you know, you're not paying, you know, a guy who plays a corner outfield that that hits 40 home runs. You're, you know, you're getting that production from uh, your two out- infielders and in, and in Lindor and and uh, Ramirez. And this, you know, this is the way they they've chosen to uh, build their payroll. And uh, it, I, it, it's, I, you know, I don't I don't agree with it. Always agree with it. But, you know, th- I think that's the way they're going here.
0: All right. Well, uh, you know, just in terms of your first impressions, uh, you you said you compared it sort of like to your reaction to the Bartolo Cologne trade uh, to Montreal when when the Indians got Cliff Lee, you know, Grady Sizemore, and Brandon Phillips in that deal. I didn't know who they were at the time. Uh, Is is there a possibility that guys like Owen Miller, Gabriel Arias, uh, you know, Joey Cotillo, uh, if, if these guys are, have the potential to, to come in and, and, you know, be impact players down the road.
1: It, you know, your guess is as good in my, as mine, Joe. I think, uh, obviously, you know, the Indians have a really good working knowledge of the, of, the, of the Padres farm system. They've dealt with them, you know, they've made trades with them for the last three years. So they've dissected
0: Five that. times in the last two, uh, two years. Five yeah. times in the last 25 months they've made trades with the uh, Padres. <laughs> So yes, I'd
1: say I'd say they, they know what's going on in there. So they have a pretty good working knowledge, and they had a great knowledge of uh, the, the Montreal Expo system when they made that deal with uh, Cologne. And, and uh, you know Montreal, I mean Montreal was in a uh, up against the wall kind of save the franchise mode. Right. So they were going to empty the farm system to try to get Cologne. And uh, so I, I don't know if it's in you know a, the same kind of situation but you would think uh, the Indians would know what they were getting in, in a deal like this.
0: Well, the bottom line for me is over the last, you know, three years, uh, Chris Antonetti, Mike Chernoff have done what it was necessary. And, and actually it, it's, it's all worked out. Uh, every time they've come up against one of these deals, I'd complete faith in, in what they've been able to, to accomplish over the last couple of years uh, to keep the Indians competitive. Uh, you know, there are things looming on the horizon in terms of salary and things that are beyond their control uh, that that are going to, you know, impact the team. But as far as what they could do at the deadline right now, uh, I think you got what you could for Clevenger. And like I said, addition by subtraction, you got rid of something that could have been a problem in the uh, in the clubhouse moving forward. And you, you sort of turn that into a positive in in restocking your, your franchise, your, your farm system for your franchise. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, I hopefully it's it's a deal that uh, like last year's deal with, uh, with the Trevor Bauer deal that helps that helps the Indians now and and will help them in the future. Uh, it, will that happen? It remains to be seen.
0: All right, Hoynesie, we will uh, check in again with you tomorrow uh, after the Indians open their uh, their series in Kansas City tonight, and we uh, actually get a chance to talk to. Hopefully, Chris Antonetti and and, and some people with the organization uh, just to get their thoughts and and what they had in mind when they made these trades today. Uh, We'll check in again tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast.
1: Thanks, Joe.